Hi, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I hope you are having a fantastic day today. I am thrilled to have my guest on the show today, Mike Ciroc Ciroco. He is the CEO of People Building Incorporated and is the powerhouse behind the What Are You Made Of movement. He's a performance coach, author, a dynamic public speaker, a visionary, and a thought leader. He's been featured by Yahoo Finance as the top business leaders to follow in 2020 and is on a mission to build people. He's driven to inspire others, and he measures his success on how he is able to help others achieve greatness. He is all about lighting that fire. In fact, he just wrote a book called Rocket Field, which features a foreword written by his good friend, Grant Cardone. He's also got a new business coming up called Blueprint that he's very excited about. We talk in the show, and, uh, and it's a super fun interview, and I hope you enjoy it. So hang tight, and I'll be right back with Mike Searock. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I have Mike C. Rock Sirocco with me today. Mike, thanks so much for coming on the show. I pr really appreciate it. What's up, Carrie? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate any opportunity that I have to share my story. And I want to thank your audience for showing up as well. Gratitude's a big part of my life. So I always start every interview with gratitude. So thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. I've, I've just had a conversation around gratitude, gratitude around the hard stuff, actually. Uh, and so we're going to we're going to dive into that today because I know you're a big believer in how adversity makes you stronger. Me, too. But first, I want to know about your book. So tell us about your book, Rocket Fuel. Why did you write it? I wrote the book because, you know, I went to a lot of events and I started seeing people sharing their stories and I was really starting to be observant because I wanted to be a speaker. And I started watching people, how they formulated their talks. And a lot of them were sharing a personal story and they were doing that to connect with people. And I was like, man, you know what? I got a story to tell. If he can do it or she can do it, I can do it. And I was trying to go back and look and figure out why I have never shared my story before. And I realized that for me personally, and I noticed it was a similar thing for other people is that one, you think your story is ordinary and like, who cares, right? Who's going to care about my story? The other one was, you know, maybe you grew up poor or an abusive situation, or you had screw ups of your own and you're embarrassed. And, or maybe you think that you need some kind of extraordinary story to really share it with people, which is not right, not true. And the final one was the biggest one was I was underestimating the power of my story to inspire millions of people. And so once I wrapped my head around that, I'm like, oh, it's on. And I started like a podcast and I started going on other people's podcasts and then I started sharing my story. And then I was like, you know what? Let me transcribe this because mentor of mine, uh, who happens to be Grant, said, repurpose everything. Get everything you can out of every piece of content that you have. 17 different things out of each piece of uh, piece of content. Squeeze it, squeeze it until it has no water left in it. And so I started doing that. And a book was the next, obviously, uh, logical option. And um, I, the message in the book is about converting setbacks and becoming unstoppable. And so I wrote about that and also wrote about my story and how that all relates and intertwines with each other. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your story, but let's continue with the book for a few minutes. So you have a rocket fuel framework. Uh, so can you tell us about it? Like you, know, what makes up um, the three C's and, and really your whole belief system? Yeah. So the, first of all, the, you know, I grew up around a lot of broken people. I grew up a lot around a uh, broken household. I don't remember my parents ever together. Um, they've been remarried. My mom three times, my dad twice. And, um, you know, growing up and like watching all this stuff happen and as an observant kid, 
I would ask people why they were doing these things. Why did they have alcohol problems? Why did they get hooked on anti-anxiety and depression medication? Why were they overdosing? Why was alcohol such a big deal? Why did my grandmother commit suicide? You know, and I would ask these questions and all of them had a story of why they were doing it. But I never believed the story that they were telling themselves, that they bought. And I realized that if you tell the story of your life, the more you tell the story of your life, the more your story, your, your life goes like the story you're telling yourself. And so with that being said, um, I was watching that and I was watching people stop themselves. And they were taking in the stories that they were telling themselves as they were using all the things that toxicity, letdowns, discouragements, people taking advantage of them, the hard luck that they have. And they were storing it in their trunk instead of their tank. And when you store it in your trunk, trunk like most people do, it slows you down and stops you. Whereas me, in my life, I did an assessment of about three years ago and trying to find out why, no matter what happened to me in my life, I kept elevating. And I, what I found was I was storing things in my tank and I was able to convert that stuff into rocket fuel to become unstoppable and then turn it around and make it a proactive approach as well, understanding that when I want something, I go get it. And anything that would seem like it's there to slow you down or stop you is not really for that purpose. It's to use as fuel or a training session. And if I can do this and I can comprehend this proactively and then teach other people how to do this, we create unstoppable people to live in life of the dreams. Yeah, I love that. So uh, I have a, a setback story too. But even in my darkest of hours, like I had this like dual life of, of still being able to make things happen and really setting myself up for success. But I also had like this crazy boundary pushing um, side of me too that caused me to do some very destructive things. So it's like interesting to think about how you can combine those things together, right? Like you can still be super successful and push yourself forward, but still have destructive behaviors that that hold you back in some way. And then you can leapfrog them forward. And so, yeah. uh, you know, your story really resonates with me because like, I, I, I know what it's like. So look, I, I went through that as a kid and I still was, I didn't drink alcohol until I got to college. When I got to college, I was an athlete, a straight A student. I got to college and I was playing football, but still I saw girls like we, we had a small high school. So I saw girls and I'm like, oh, man, this is like this is awesome. I saw girls before, but not like this. And then I started thinking, OK, where are the girls and where's the party? And then I got in the wrong crowd and then drinking and led to weed and then the cocaine. And, it, and, it, and it's like it was so great of a feeling like you really yeah. feel like you feel like Superman or Superwoman. Yeah. And that's this feeling that I was searching for my whole life. And then you, you realize that ne it's never like the first time. And then you realize it's something that you have to do because, you know, I, honestly, and I, I don't share all this stuff all the time, but I, I would go to bars and drinking and, and then wouldn't be worried about hanging out with my friends anymore. I was wondering where we were going to hang out that night to, to party. Yeah. And that's a bad feeling. And it, but it starts to feel normal at first. You're like, yeah. this is what you're supposed to do. And I went into dark places too, but I was telling myself stories then of like, oh, this is what, you know, look, I had a rough life. My grandmother committed suicide. Like I've, I've had it rough. I can do this stuff. And when you start to make sense of things in your mind, then it leads you down uh, the dark path of uh, destruction, like you said. And you're either destroying or building. There's no in between. Now you can be building some things and destroying others, but anytime that you have a destructive factor in any of that, it will still... You might be building something, but you still will be destroying that at some point. Yep. And so, totally. yeah, I'm with you, man. I've been there. And uh, like, I guess I would ask you, like, what, what story did you tell yourself of why you were doing it? Uh, for me, it really was about being seen. 
Um, so my father left when I was really young and I don't feel, I didn't ever feel like I had dad issues. I felt like I logically had dealt with it, but I think from an emotional perspective, I was always trying to get that attention, uh, because I just didn't get that, uh, uh, certainly from male figures in my life. And so it really manifested in, in the way that I drive myself. So I'm super driven. I always got great, great grades in school, went to, you know, engineering school, did all of these things, but I also had like this boundary pushing of like, Hey, I want to be seen as, you know, cool and popular and all these things growing up in a rural town in, in, in Southwest Colorado and going to an engineering school, like you're not those things. And so it really, for me, it was really feeding this, like this, this desire to be seen and then, yeah. you know, when all of a sudden it was like, okay, I felt like I'm like, you know, in that, in that scene and everybody knows who I am. It just fed that like ego part of it. So that's really yeah, what it was and, for me. Well, and I, I felt that too. I can, I can relate to that, but that's the story that we told ourselves. Right. But oh, yeah. really we could have told ourselves another story of like, Hey, let's get famous. Let's do something like great and, and, and get famous for it or get known, well known and become a celebrity in a space. Yeah. And that's where I redirected my attention was getting known and i and i went through it i don't know if you've dealt with this with the podcast but like i was like if i'm gonna do this i want to be known by all over the world like yeah. i started with my state then my country and i was going through my mind i'm like that's not big enough that's not big enough globally okay let's get known globally but then you know what that might not even be big enough like what if there's aliens let's get known by them motherfuckers oh, i don't know if i'm supposed to i was like let's get known by those aliens if there's aliens and then that made my think get big, my mind expand. And then I started being obsessed with that kind of stuff rather than the, the drugs, alcohol, you know, um, chasing girls. And, but you know, that really, honestly, I, I got cleaned up as far as not partying like that when I met my wife and that was back in 2001, but I didn't really have the big think get known and really direct everything into what we're doing now until about three years ago, really. Yeah, that's amazing. So going back before, because I want to talk to you about uh, about this three year journey that you've been on. But when you look back at like the bad decisions that you made and like where you were in your life, like how does gratitude tie into that? Right. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. How do you really show up with gratitude for a rough childhood and for making those choices that that may have been dark and destructive in your life? Well, you know, I, I do go through phases where I'm like, man, if I would have got started earlier, you know, and knew some of the things I know now, and but you can't change any of that. When I wake up in the morning, today was a rough morning for some reason. I just, I'm dealing with some things in, in one of my businesses and another business is going great and it's growing and we're, you know, getting ready to launch and another business has been around for a while. And it's just like, you know, there's just some conflict and, and it's like, oh, man, I don't want to wake up to this cup. I want to wake up to like everything being great and exciting. And so the first thing I always do when I wake up is say, thank you. Like, thank you for make, giving me another day to impact people, make a difference, solve problems, you know? And so that gets rid of all the things to complain about. And I start going through a list and I really sounds corny, but I wiggle my toes and say, man, thanks for my feet, my toes, my ankles. They don't hurt my knees. They don't, they don't hurt my elbows. No, most people don't pay attention to their arms until they have a pain in, in their arm or it doesn't work properly. I really like to take and be aware of everything in my body. This sounds crazy to some people I know because it would sound crazy to me back in the day. But I look and say, man, I'm not having an issue with my hands today. My fingers feel great. Thank you. Thank you. Some people don't have hands and fingers. And then all the stuff that I'm complaining about goes away. Yeah. You know, or it goes back to a place where I know, okay, it's a problem and I could solve it. All problems have a solution. And so, um, yeah, it's, it plays a big role. 
And particularly this morning was an example. I just didn't feel like going after today. And I got up and said, you know what? Thank you. And then I, once I go through that, I go, I'm an inexorable. Inexorable is my favorite word. It means unyielding and unable to be stopped. And I remind myself of that every morning. And I remind myself that people are watching and counting on me and I have to perform. I have to go. I'm, a, I'm, I'm in a position I put myself in as a role model, even before I was a role model. And, uh, I just stepped into being something that I wanted to be. And I, that helps me elevate and perform when I don't feel like it. You know, that's an interesting thing that you brought up, right? Like you felt like, okay, today I don't want to do it. And, and I was curious, like, you know, having rocket fuel all the time is probably unsustainable, right? I mean, there's always the ebbs and flows and, and like, I find like I can push myself really hard, but like I have to back off a little bit. Like, how do you look at the ebbs and flows of life within the rocket fuel framework? Rocket fuel is something that can be consistent, but you just redirect it to where it's needed at the time. So I'm on a podcast right now. I, my intention is to light your podcast up so that when you get off of this show, you're like, holy he's like, I gotta, I gotta go tell people about this guy. Like I, I'm fired up. That's my intention. This rocket fuel is directed right now. Now, when I get off this podcast, I'm going to be like, okay, what do I have right now? I'm just, I'm fully transparent. I have a mortgage company that I run a division for. We have to do some training. I want to get my training done and get it off the plate. So as soon as I'm done this, I'm going to put rocket fuel into that. Then when I'm done that, I'm going to put rocket fuel into relaxing and reading. There you go. I got books all over the place, but like I'll relax and, and work on my mind. And then when my family gets back home from where they are, the movies right now, my son gets home from practice, rocket fuel into being a father and, and loving all my kids and my wife. So no, it's a, it's a, it's a constant thing. It's just, where is it directed? And then you, when you need to recharge, you, you put the rocket fuel into the recharging and you really go hard with recharging and relaxing yep. and that way it, 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 it all feeds itself. So no, you don't yeah. have to turn it off. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So tell <laughs> us exactly what the rocket field framework is like, describe it to us. It's being proactive and understanding that anything that comes your way is a training session or fuel and you store everything in your tank instead of your trunk and you, you just convert it into fuel. And that means haters, discouragers, your own screw ups, people that make throw digs at you, people closest to you that say, aren't you working hard enough? Um, setbacks, all that stuff. Now that's the rocket fuel concept and, and law. Now, one thing I did realize after I wrote the book was once as a human being, you do personal development and you refine your engine to a point where you're a higher octane engine, a higher refined engine, like a Ferrari or Lamborghini instead of a Ford or Chevy, no offense, anybody that's driving a short Ford or Chevy. But once you get to that refined, you need different fuel and that fuel cannot use, like you can't use that old low octane toxicity anymore. You have to switch it. And now because you're refined and you're, you're, you're more developed, now you're able to have bigger visions of goals and dreams and belief in those. And that becomes your fuel. That's a higher octane, cleaner fuel and it pulls you faster. And I like to put those things out there in my future and then cause and create my future by putting those out there and then being drawn to it. And so that's, that's the overview of it. You mentioned three C's. Um, three C's are something that I use all the time and it, and it never fails me and it works in business and life and everything is the first one is clarity, really getting clear on what you want. Because when you have a thought and you're really clear on it and you get it out of your head on paper, it becomes a real thing. The second one is commitment, deciding and committing to that life, to that clear vision. When you do that, you have to all the way commit. It's not half-ass, one foot in, one foot out. Do it when people are looking and when people aren't looking, you'll do it if you feel like it. It's all the time committed, deciding that that's the life you're going towards. Thoughts, words, actions, the environment, the people around you, they have to serve that mission. 
And then final C is consistency. I can't tell you how important consistency is, man. It is, it is, it's more important. It's greater than your feelings. It's greater than if it gets hard and you don't feel like doing it. It doesn't matter. You have to be consistent and boring old consistency will pay off. And it's a chip away process. Most of the time when you have a big goal or vision, but you have to be also open during your consistent actions to big quantum leaps, big multiples to come your way. If you're not open to that, you're just going to be chipping away and get there slowly. But I'm always open to big multiples or quantum leaps. And uh, while I'm doing my chip away, um, as boring as it gets, consistency never has let me down. So those are the three C's. Yeah. Thanks for describing that. Um, okay. So how about people who are really stuck, right? Uh, or they have fear that's holding them back. Like how do you, how do they learn actually how to harness that if they've never actually, you know, felt that feeling of rocket fear? How do they, how do they take that first step? Anybody that says they're stuck or they're in a rut or whatever they say, that is a story that they're telling themselves. Language matters. Language determines our future. So the first thing you got to say is, okay, I'm saying I'm stuck. Well, let me switch that first. That's the first step. I have an opportunity to, to move faster. I have an opportunity to grow. I have an opportunity to do this, whatever the case is. Um, I need to work and think about how to figure out to change my condition right now. Don't say you're stuck because when you say you're stuck, you're going to do everything to reinforce what you just said. Your thoughts, words, and actions will go towards making sure that you're right with what you said. Because in our minds and subconscious mind, being right means surviving. Yeah. And when you do that, that's very important. So that's the first step is, is to switch up the story you tell yourself. Secondly, once you've switched the story up that you tell yourself, make sure it's the right story and, and it's something that's going to lead you in your direction of your ideal life or your mission. And then you will make sure you're right with that. Remember, the subconscious mind doesn't know right from wrong. It just knows that whatever you tell it, it's got to follow that. And it's got to follow that to make you right, even if it's wrong. And so that's the way I handle it. I go through, I'm human too. I go through the same things. I'm, sometimes I'm like, man, this is hard. Well, then it's going to be hard. And I got to catch myself immediately and say, you know what? There's an opportunity for growth here. Let's figure it out. Every problem has a solution. Let's go get it. Let's figure it out. What do we got to do? If I want to do this, like for example, in uh, the mortgage business right now, we're kind of stagnant, like as far as growth goes, right? And I could say, man, this is hard or man, this sucks. No, no, no. I'm saying, okay, we're here. I want to go to here. What is it going to take to get there? How do we get from here to here? And I ask that question. And then when I do that, my attention goes to that question and things start to appear because I'm focused on what I need to do and what I want to do, not where I am and stuck and saying stuck and all that. So that's just, and I don't, I'm not saying it's for everybody, but that's how it works for me. And I've seen it work for the people that I've taught that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that the big thing is, is action, right? You have to take that first step. Like I, you know, yep. I can't think about to, yep. you know, my rock bottom. It was like, okay, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I am a mess, but I know that I need to go home to my mother. And so I'm going to call her. I'm going to tell her everything that's going on. And that's the first step. And then that step leads to the next step to the next step. And so that's my advice always to people who, yeah. um, who are, you know, in that spiral you talk a little bit about being prepared uh, in your in your book and on a couple of the podcasts I listen to. So, you know, how important is being prepared uh, to to really be able to put the rocket fuel into place? Yeah, I mean, proactive. Since it's a proactive approach, that yeah. that that revolves all around preparation. Um, if if you're in reactive mode and you're not prepared, you're gonna be you're you're gonna say things, do things that you shouldn't do, and that leads to destruction, right? 
So, um, you know, I just, I just know that anytime I've been prepared, like when I started coaching or speaking or podcasting, I didn't get an imposter syndrome. If I was prepared, one thing, like I go on stage and I'm prepared, I'm not going to feel like scared, nervous or anything. I don't have imposter syndrome when I'm coaching or doing anything. If I'm prepared, if I'm not, and I'm winging it, man, that's a problem. And then number two is understanding that, um, when I, when I speak or it's podcasting or coaching, I get out of my head, my head. And then what happens is, is that I understand that what I'm doing is not for me. It's for the person I'm talking to or the audience. And once I realize that, then I don't get nervous. I don't get imposter syndrome. I, I don't have to think much when I talk. And I'll tell you what's something funny. I don't know if you do this when like you watch your show back or you go on somebody else's show and you see clips of it. I'll do it sometimes. And my wife will be like watching on social media. She's like, wow, that's pretty good. Or, or man, that's, and I'm like, I don't even remember saying that, <laughs> you know, where did I get that from? You know, but it's because I'm not in my head thinking I'm out really just laying it out. I'm prepared, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Preparation's key, man. Yeah, absolutely. De definitely helps you get into the flow for sure. You mentioned a word before obsess. Uh, so you know, once you get that vision and you know you want to go to it, you commit to it, then you obsess over it. How do you use obsession to really propel yourself forward? You have to be obsessed if you really want to be great and be abnormal. So obsession is to me is like taking a, a magnifying glass and putting the sun through it and putting it on paper and paper will get hot and burn versus the sun just being dispersed everywhere. That's what obsession is to me. It's like laser focus, get the shit done as fast as possible, get as much done as you can in the shortest amount of time, thinking thinking about it all the time, what your next move is. Um, when you go places and you're around family and friends and you're talking about it all the time and they may even like give you crap about it, but you still do it anyway because you're obsessed. And then you find new friends and people to hang out with that that like your obsession because you just don't, you feel uncomfortable otherwise. <laughs> So that's, yeah, obsession is, you can be obsessed or you can be average as Grant Cardone says. And how does your family handle this? How does your wife and, and children, um, you know, are they, do they have this share the same sort of mindset that you do? And, and how does that work in your family dynamic? Yeah, they do. They do it in their own way. You know, they, they, they get sick of some of the stuff that, you know, they hear it all the time. Basically, when I go into the house, I know that I have to understand that I'm like a speedboat. They're going through the water and they're sitting on the air tubes chilling and I come through and there's a wake, right? So I have to be careful of not going through their tubes. I got to maybe go around this way until I calm down a little bit. But, the, but my wife is, she's obsessive with things that she's into too. So, and so is my son and so is my daughter. We all ha have that trait. I think really everybody has that trait. I really, I really do. And I just think someone directed in the wrong, wrong place, but they're, they're good. They understand what the mission I'm on and, They've given, you know, my wife's given me shit before. My family's given me shit before. My friends and business partners have given me shit before. But when I'm so sure and certain of my mission, I need to understand. And I'm clear on it. It's in my head. If I don't paint the picture properly, nobody else is ever going to really see that vision and understand that vision like me. So I can't take their opinion when they say to chill out on it or, or you talk about it all the time or uh, why, why don't you talk about something? You know, No, because you guys don't see the power of what I'm going to accomplish and what the team is going to accomplish together. You don't see that outcome like that, like I do. Yeah. So, so if you don't have that end vision and you don't have that, then it's very difficult. And I understand you don't understand it, you know? So I totally get it. 
All right. So what made you take this new direction three years ago? Uh, you mentioned three years you started this journey. So tell us tell us that story. Yeah. Well, I was going through a dark time. Maybe it was middle-aged, uh, what do they call that? Um, crisis Midlife or something. Midlife crisis. Like, maybe it was that, but also went through a business situation where I, I was not allowing the right people in my life or I was allowing the wrong people in my life. And when you allow people in your life that are not aligned with your values and your mission, you're asking for trouble. It will punish you. You will have problems. And I did that. And I cannot blame those people for stealing from me. I cannot blame those people for taking advantage of the situation. It's my fault for allowing them to be in my life. And so, but that happened and millions, we're out of millions, some dollars is like to the tune of a million dollars. And so I was in a dark, dark place. I felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulder. I had 22 employees looking at me like, now what? And uh, I broke down in my kitchen in front of my wife, which I've never done before. And I'm like, I can't take this weight. It's just too much. I don't want to live this way. I can't, I, I, it's just, and I just broke down. I'm like, I will never, ever, ever, ever do this again. I'll never feel like this again. This is the last time I will make sure I live every single day of my life, every minute of my life going in the direction of this mission to make sure that I don't allow people to come in to the world and my environment that don't serve this mission. And so from that point on, I just was on fire and I felt validation to be the animal that I am and go after it. And I started surrounding myself with the right people, being mentored and coached by the right people and setting the record straight with everybody around me that this is the mission I'm on and you're either with me or against me. There's no in between. And, um, and so many people are so worried about saying that kind of stuff, but look, you're not going to be great and get to where you want to go unless you're very hard-lined about not allowing people that don't serve your mission. As long as you're ethical, right? It's for, for good. You don't allow them in your life. So um, I went on that journey, and then I met a guy named Jared Yellen who was on a journey to um, democratize the tech industry, basically getting people that are non-tech entrepreneurs that have tech ideas that normally would go to the grave with it. And allowing them to have the foundation support of, a, of an incubator to launch, scale, and sell their tech company. And I, I sat with, uh, I was on an Instagram live with him. And uh, I'm like, dude, you, you started a tech company. He had one. It was very successful. He set it up so he didn't have to be in the business anymore. And he was on to his next journey. He was trying to figure it out what it was. And it came to him that he wanted to scale, or I'm sorry, launch, scale, and sell 10,000 tech companies in 10 years. And I heard that and I'm like, okay, this guy's crazy, but I like him. And I want to try to do this too. So I don't know how the hell to do it. I've never been in tech, but man, listen, he's a good dude. I want to be friends with him, which became great friend. And I want to get involved in this. So um, we partnered up on a tech product. Um, I started bringing relationships into our organization. And then the one I decided to bring into the organization, which I thought would excel our movement to get to 10,000 quicker was Grant Cardone. And so I introduced him to Grant Cardone, Jared Glant, Grant Cardone, and they decided to launch the 10X Incubator, which is now an incubator that co-founds tech companies with people that have ideas. And uh, Blueprinted is one of those products. That's my baby yeah. that I uh, brought to the incubator. And uh, we're launching that very soon. We're working on building um, our creators and bring them into the platform. And I'm fired up about it, man. It's exciting. So tell us what is Blueprint? Can you share? Can you share some details? Yeah. So Blueprinted is a marketplace. Like if you were thinking about the big company that starts with A um, that you go to and buy products on, it's like a marketplace like that, but just for success blueprints in all different verticals. And today we were actually sitting down going over the different categories. And the categories range from parenting, relationships, home and garden, 
business, marketing, sales, technology, spirituality, mindset. Oh man, you name it. Sex, um, you know, like all different kinds of things where people could give you a step-by-step process to achieve something. Mm-hmm. Not a course where you're sitting there like paying attention to somebody talking theory and high level and you get done if you even finish the course. Most people don't. And then you try to go do it and you can't, you don't know where to start. This is something that gives you the steps. Like step one, do this. Don't go to step two until you finish Step one, and maybe have a short video, but it has text, links, resources, and then it's just a blueprint. It's like if you build a house, you're not going to watch somebody on HDTV build a house and then go build a house. You you need the blueprint and the list of material you need. You need all that, and that's what blueprint it is. And there's nothing like it out there. It's the most innovative product and in self help in the last 40 years. And I'm so fired up to get this thing going. I'm a very impatient person um, when I want something, but it takes time to build tech and it takes time to build the community and had the creators and all that. So uh, people are going to be able to sell their blueprints, impact people and monetize their expertise. That's so cool. So we're just going through this uh, as a company. We are creating uh, a success blueprint for uh, employees and customers. We're an employee owned company. And so we have this whole idea around what employee ownership means. Like what does the own it mindset mean? How do you show up as an employee owner? And as we've grown so quickly, um, you know, a lot of people don't, no, don't understand that. So I work with my marketing team say, we have to create this success blueprint that anybody can have their book. Like you can actually have a physical book. We'll have it on our intranet site and it's going to be everything that they need to be successful at this company. And I wow. cannot wait. We're getting ready to launch it uh, here uh, in yep. early December and it's going to be such a game changer. So that's fascinating. That's so cool. So blueprinted is a business to consumer product, but also a business to business. We're going to have an enterprise version of it too. So companies can build their blueprints in there for their own company. But, um, there's going to be companies that have their own internal stuff, but they're going to want to sell it to other people too. They're going to want to impact and they're not, they're not going to just like, I know there's industries, trade secrets and things. Right. But like some companies are going to be like, look, I want to impact people. I would love to talk to you about this because so my big, my, one of the, the things that I speak about and I'm very passionate about is this whole idea of building the middle class from the middle out, right? How do you share in the success of the company with the people who add, who bring the value, right? Who create the value, your employees. And so I really want to create this whole, like this blueprint, right? So it's one of my keynote speeches uh, that I give quite often around how do you create that own it mindset, even if you're not an employee owned company? And there's so many things that you can do. And so, you know, I have my speech outline, but it'd be so easy to turn into a success blueprint that you could share with other people and say, here's how you do it. And you don't have to, you know, give away equity or, or let people buy in um, at equity to still have that same sort of culture. So I can totally see where that would be interesting. Yeah. I love that concept. Like I'm a big culture guy. Um, And, you know, I have a mortgage division that, like I mentioned that we have 30 employees and culture has been a big deal for us. Like that's, and we want to feel people like, I always want people around me that want to run through a wall for the, for the mission, Yep. you know, and that part of that is, you know, feeling like you're part of the team and owner, you know, but it's not always the case. I love that though. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be talking about that. I would love to. Yeah. Well, I'm a big culture person too. 
Um, there's all this talk about rehumanizing work. You know, we've been doing that for decades. And really, it comes down to, you know, how do you treat people like adults? And, you know, my, I, my executive team, I mean, they'll tell you, like, we will run to the end of the earth and, you know, and back with you. And you only do that by creating that culture of engagement and decision making and you share in the success. I think we're the goal. I think a lot of CEOs are just waking up to it because they can't hang on to their employees. Um, you know, it's simple. It's just not easy. And that's why people need a success yeah. blueprint. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I love it. And you know, one thing I just did, I learned this from a guy, um, my buddy Todd, that he he went to a company that was valued at like 300000 or something. And they just sold it since January 2020. They just sold it for like over a billion dollars. Yep. And one of the main, I asked him, what was the thing that you did when you first went in there as CEO and took over? And he said, I went out to the locations and I listened to the employees and I asked them, what do you need help with? Like, what do you need help to reach your full potential? So I went to my team and I did the same thing. And I said, guys, by next Wednesday, I want a list of things, if there is anything, that you need to reach your full potential. What is holding you back? Anything you need. I don't care what it is. Just ask. But I said, but also keep in mind, I want you to be honest, because if it's something that you're not doing or you're not working hard enough or you're not devoting enough time or focus, you need to write that down too. And we did that and now we have this list and some of the stuff's off the wall and, and some retros, like when you look at it, it's like, yeah, okay, I, yeah, I, I understand. I said no limits. Um, some of it's stuff that we already have and they just either didn't pay attention or uh, we take responsibility for that and they didn't know and we didn't talk about it enough. But, but it was really a good exercise, one, to show them that we care and two, to find out what they're really thinking in their head so that we can address it. I just did this exercise with my team um, around, we read uh, Brene Brown's uh, Dare to Lead. And we had this whole conversation around armored leadership versus daring leadership. And we picked, we rated like how we thought, where we thought we were doing a really good job with daring leadership and where we were doing, you know, coming in with more armored. And one of the things that they picked, which like shocked me. Um, and I was like, why did they score that so low? And so we had this phenomenal conversation. And what it really was, was, hey, we are taking on too many things. And that's totally my style, right? I'm like, we can do all of these things. Like, you know, let's just drive, let's just push hard. You know, we can, we can make it happen. Yep. And uh, so we had this, this really profound conversation about setting up the infrastructure of the company to really be able to handle this next set of very fast growth. Because um, we're changing from a manufacturing company into a technology company. And it's, it's really cool some of the things that we're doing. But we had this conversation about, are we willing to trade maybe a little bit of growth to really get the foundation set to be this next level tech company yep. to, to scale? And yeah. I would have never had that conversation if we just wouldn't have had this, you know, this, this daring versus armored leadership conversation and asked, like, what's the biggest challenge? And it, we decided we're going to hire different people for infrastructure projects rather than, than sales and product management. And we're going to be able to grow so much faster by just taking like six months to do some of this more infrastructure work. And it changed everything. So I totally agree, well, right? Like that whole idea is that. so valuable. Well, I love that because like we look at it in the mortgage industry and we're like, we've been go, 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 go. We didn't have time to get a foundation of our, our systems and processes because when rates dropped, it was like the yeah. floodgates were on and we didn't even have to prospect. Business was just poured in. We had no time to train or build or anything. So yeah. now that it's slowed down, now that's like this, there's things happen for a reason at all, all, all the time. You know, you really look back and you're like, oh, I need, I know why that happened now. 
So now we are building what we call pods out in our organization and our each pod is building out like its own little company so that we can scale and grow faster when we do turn to turn false on. So you're, you're talking my love language. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> well, I love this stuff, man. Uh, I know, I know. It is good. Um, and it is exciting, especially when you can see that people buy into it and they really start to make a difference. One of my employees sent me a text a couple of months ago and he just bought this new house on a lake and he was sitting out there with his family and fire. And he was like, none of this would be possible without Stone Age um, and without, without the things that we're doing because you know, I was a mess and I was about to quit my job and I was about to like go through a divorce. And like, you know, you sat down and you helped me and we created this whole thing. And now, you know, nine, 18 months later, like this is what I'm looking at. And that is impact. You know, that is, yeah, that's life-changing stuff right there. Like when you can have yeah. your employees say, I am a better human being because I worked here. And that's the mission that companies should really take in, take into account. Yeah. I'm a people builder. Like, I love that. Like I have a yeah. company called people building. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, what, I don't, I don't like to go and just be in a situation where it's all transactional, you know, I'm trying yeah. to transform lives, you know? So yeah, I love that. So we're close to the end and I do have two quick questions for you. Um, so the name of this podcast is reflect forward, uh, which has lots of meanings, uh, special ones to me. What does reflect forward mean to you? Well, I mean, I think first of all, I love causing and creating futures. My coach that I work with is big on that and everything's done through conversation. But, um, you know, if I'm causing and creating future, one of the main things I need to do is I need to figure out what happened in the past, one, to learn from it, but also to assess. Like, to me, I always look at how can I learn to grow, grow bigger, better, and create a future. But in order to do that and create like a future place, like a, a point B, when you have an A and a B, you need to know where you are right now and where you've been, Right to know how big of a bridge or what you're going to need to build to get to that point B. So, yeah, I mean, using the reflection to go forward. Yeah. So that's, that's what it sounds like to me anyway. I love it. Thank you. All right. And if you had one piece of advice for leaders looking to be exceptional at what they do, what would it be? It's got to be the unstoppable, unyielding, just like never give up. Like that's, that's something that no matter what happens in your life until you get plucked from this planet, if you have yeah. a target you never give up you're gonna get it yep. like so i would just say that i think never give up never quit yep so tell us how people can find you and what do you have going on next i know you got some big things yeah so google mike c rock i'm everywhere but really instagram linkedin is the best place to find my content um mikey c rock on instagram and if you're interested in blueprinted it's spelled b-l-o-o -O instead of the color blue b-l-o-o -O printed and if you go to blueprinted.com forward slash VIP, you can check that out. If you want to be one of the creators or experts that puts your blueprint in our system, that's where to go. Blueprinted, B-L-O-O, printed.com forward slash VIP. And uh, love to have you a part of the family if you're the right, the right fit. That's awesome. All right. Well, I'll include all that in the show notes. And with that, we'll wrap things up. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Hang tight, and I'll be right back. All right, everyone, I'm back. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Mike is such a fun guy. His energy is contagious, that's for sure. I hope you have a great day, and I look forward to hosting you on next week's Advice from a CEO episode on Reflect Forward. And if you like this podcast, please feel free to like, subscribe, share, write a review. I always appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a great day.